catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. How much do you think it costs to get a drug to approve through the FDA? It's $2 billion. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. As always, thank you everybody for listening and watching. Please go hit that like and subscribe button wherever you get your show. So today, before we kick it off with our very special guest... Let's kick it off with our Patreon question of the day, which is, what's the best gift that you've ever received? Ooh, ooh, that's a good one. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. I was actually going to say uh, my sons, to be quite honest, they mm-hmm. the greatest gift of my life. I mean, kids is always, husband and kids is always. Okay, past that, all that. Yeah. Let's go let's get the stuff that they want, right? What's Everyone good, knows that. Okay, like, okay. material gift. Ooh, gosh. Trips are probably my favorite. What if that it? counts as material. Trips? Trips, like oh. vacations. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that's, I mean, that's a good one. Memory makers. I've had some great, yeah. I know, I can't think of anything. It wouldn't be materialistic for me anymore either. It'd what be what it? I, I would get, I got, I've been memories. invited to a lot of things. Yeah. It's like memories, to speak right? Speak at the certain places for certain people. More of who I'm around. The, the gifts are them, the people. Exactly, it's the memories, yeah. really, that no. you take, right? I'm actually holding mine. It is a handmade rosary from one of my best friends, uh-huh. and the um, cross is Marcus's navy cross, and he had it made for my birthday, and our we had our wedding blessed in the church on my birthday so it was a double gift and um yeah i love it i carry it with me when when i need it and i sleep with it next to my head so that's my favorite gift i've ever material gift that i've ever gotten for sure that's wonderful yeah hers was the original gonzalez flag are y'all familiar with that have Mm -hmm. you seen our battle flag the texas battle flag it has a cannon on it it says come and take it yeah. Have y'all seen that? Yeah, I have. Okay, so the original first battle of the war was in Gonzales, Texas, and that, it was over that cannon. Okay. Spanish wanted it back, and we wouldn't give it. Now, the flag that they raised was from the, some of the wives. Made, they took their wedding dresses and cut their wedding dresses up and painted that cannon on there and said, come and take it. Is that? The, the actual flag perished in the battle. Mm-hmm. But 
after our wedding, she cut her wedding dress up, and then Lady Perry had one of her inaugural dresses to make the border, and they made me the Gonzales flag. So I have an original. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Materialistic-wise, it's probably one of the coolest things I've gotten. Yeah. That is very cool. Yeah. It did was, you, you thought of that? I did not. I can't take the credit for that, although it is one of the coolest things that we have. It's um, our friends, uh, actually out of Round Top, Texas, the Junk Gypsies, uh, Amy and Jolie, they came up with the idea and they asked, would you want to cut up your wedding dress? I was like, heck yeah, for that. You're never going to wear this again. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was so that was cool. Um, and it hangs in his office over his chair. So, What about you? I'm a, more of a stoic person, so I think it's the gift of people in our lives. And they come at different times. They come and go sometimes. Um, but it's just the lens they lend us, and it helps our, us to just be more connected. Mm-hmm. Stoic. Me and you are going to get along famously then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so we've got a great guest for you guys today, Dr. Terry Fossum, who's actually a guest recommendation from our good friend and former governor, Mr. Rick Perry. So Terry's a world-renowned and board-certified veterinary surgeon. She's an author of the best-selling textbook on small animal surgery and is a serial entrepreneur. She's given over a 1,000 invited lectures to veterinarians all across the world and has served as a keynote speaker with numerous awards and including a Distinguished Alumni and Continuing Educator of the Year Award. So welcome to the show, Dr. Terry Fossum. Thank you. It's an honor and pleasure to be here. All right, so I've heard you have something great for us, but I want to back that up before we get into that, like we do with most of our guests, and find out where you're from, how this all started. All right, let's do this. So um, I am a veterinarian. I uh, graduated uh, many years ago. I won't even say how many, but decades ago, and um, went on to do advanced training in surgery, did an internship and a residency, and then finally found my way to Texas. So I spent from where? From I was at the Ohio State University. There's only one. There's only one, the Ohio State, and uh, so I did my residency and then stayed on the faculty for a year there. Beautiful campus up there. It's beautiful. Yeah, very different, right? Because it is. The it is. Buildings are all like that same architecture and that? stuff. You don't see that down here. I got a chance to go up there right before a, a game, just in the night before. I was walking around the campus just checking it out by myself and it's really something up there it is it's a very special camp it was a great school um your family all family background from from that place no 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 i was born in wyoming raised in idaho are you a brat Uh, am i a military brat no i'm not a military brat all right uh which actually my dad did serve but but we didn't he's been dead for many years and siblings two brothers that both live in idaho older one older, one younger. Oh, middle, okay. Yeah, middle uh, child, one of those. So yeah. what, what made you get into medicine? A lot of people, because when I ask that question to guys and people who, when they go to medical school, they're like, I wanted to be this kind of doctor. Once I got into medical school, I became this kind of doctor. It's true, right? You know what? That happens, that happens right? I do have a story like that because, so my dad, we had a feedlot. We raised cattle. All right. And so I was always wanted to go to veterinary school. But I was going to be a large animal veterinarian. I had no intent to ever do small animal work. And then I got through my program, and in my senior year, one of my professors came up to me and said, you know, Terry, so I know you want to do large animal, probably equine. I said, but you know, I want you to go do an internship in small animal because you'll get really good training, and then you can go do whatever you want after that. 
So I applied and was lucky enough to get an internship at a private practice in California, Santa Cruz, beautiful place. It is. And spent a year there and fell in love with surgery and decided I was going to do small animal. So That's Because awesome. there's a difference. Okay. People, and I, I like to talk about this for a second. So people who want to go into the veterinary world, a lot of, especially as children, everybody, that's a big, with the an, love animals, I yeah. want to go. And yeah. there's a, the schooling and the study that goes into surgeries for large animals as opposed to the small animals, the, the timing in the school is different too as well, right? It's more specialized? Yeah, so, no, well, they're both specialized. So here's the way it works. You usually do four years of undergrad. Then if you get accepted into veterinary school, it's typically a four-year program. There's one school, there's three, but it's typically four. And then you are really a general practitioner. So you learn everything in vet school, all species. And then when you finish... Including exotics? Are we talking about exotics We do well? a little bit of exotics. Okay. I would say our training is not great, so you learn a lot of that after Check. school. But yes, we do get that as well. And then once you graduate... Um, you can either go out and practice or you can do additional training. And for veterinarians, that would be a year of internship and then three years of residency. So, so there we, is an internship. So we all. add another four years. Okay, check. Yeah. And then you, when you do your residency and your internship, usually you've selected, you said, oh, I'm going to do small animal, I'm going to do equine, or I'm going to do food animal. So you specialize at that level usually. Mm, so I did a small animal. I did one year of a small animal medicine and surgery internship after veterinary school. And then I did a three-year uh, residency at, at the Ohio State. Is there a school for exotics? I mean, when I say exotics, everyone, I'm talking about like lions, tigers, and bears, and elephants, and everything. Zoo medicine. Yeah. Zoo medicine, right? Zoo medicine. You can do, like when you're in veterinary school, you could do, say, a month externship at a zoo. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully you would get you know, an internship and a residency because right, you're not going to learn it. Right, because when you get a new qual, you're not really giving up the old one. You're just adding a new one. If, if From, what? If you're, if, you're not, when you get a new qual, like for, for exotics, you're a small animal surgeon. You still have small animal surgery. You can still do that. As you go through the program, the more qualifications you get, you don't lose the old ones. You can still participate in all that. You can still do it. Uh, just, but generally, as people start to specialize, that's really what right, they sure. do because, you know, it's what you get to know. It's what you're better at. Like, even in, uh, in my world, I do soft tissue surgery. I don't even do orthopedic anymore because okay. I don't do it enough to be good at it. So I do soft tissue. And, you know, in the human You said that field, out loud. That's, that's well done. <laughs> Nobody ever admits that. Yeah, well, um, yeah, it's all about, you know, you, it's funny. I was thinking the other day. So I, let me go back. So I did, I was on the faculty at Texas A&M for 26 years. Yeah, so a long time. So you're in a den full of tigers, but you got an Aggie right here but, in front of you. So there we go. Okay, so, for, so I'm good. Um, loved it. Um, but, you know, there's a time when... I heard a saying the other day, something like, um, your comfort level is where you go to die. And to me, that has always meant, as soon as I was really comfortable with something, it's time to do something else. Because I get bored. I get I'm mentally bored. I need that constant challenge. And so I was sort of where, as high as I could go in surgery. I mean, I'd written the book. I traveled all over the world. Um, it was great, but I thought, okay, it's really time for me to do something else. And what made the most sense, so when I was at A&M, with the help of then-Governor Perry, 
Um, we built a large good laboratory practice facility where we could do the kind of commercialization research that needed to be done to move products into the market. And so I was doing that, and I realized, you know, there's just a ton of these products that we could, we could develop drugs so much better if we just paid attention to where our animal models are. So um, what I did is uh, I moved to Arizona. I took a job for seven years as vice president of research of a university out there. But then I decided, you know what I really want to do is I want my own company, and I want to find good products and commercialize them in the animal health world. It was my interest. And so I started my own company. And then um, Governor Perry came to me uh, about a year ago and told me to take a look at this company um, called Phoenix Biotechnology. They have Oleander, Texas, mm-hmm. you know, Texas, Oleander, great. And my initial thought was, uh, Oleander's toxic, you know, and I don't know if I really want to look at it. But I thought, you know, let me at least go through all the information that's out there and see what I think. And when I did it, I was totally hooked on this. This could be one of the most amazing natural compounds we have ever identified. And yes, it is toxic, but a lot of drugs that we give are toxic at one level, and they're medicine at another Everything's level. toxic. Exactly. You Oxygen's take too toxic much. at too much levels. Exactly. Water will kill you. Exactly. And so, yes, oleander will, if you eat the leaves, it will, but at like nanomolar to sub-nanomolar levels, it is not toxic, and it has some really interesting properties in that it will, um, it kills enveloped viruses, and it also will kill certain cancer cells. But even most exciting, and remind me to talk about this in a minute, is it is a senolytic. Explain that. Okay, so here's how I like to think about senolytics. Um, So what most people now begin are beginning to believe is that senolytics, um, senescent cells, are the reason that we age. Now, not to say that we're ever going to stop aging entirely, but I think we can slow it down. We can mitigate it. Yeah, because so, that's the point, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so here's the deal. That, that is the point. We don't necessarily want to live forever, but we do want to you know, live longer and healthier. That's really, it's a health span, not just a lifespan, so, right? That's what we're going after. It's to we're live healthy after. while we live. Exactly. So what happens in our bodies is that cells are not meant, so you know, our normal cells divide, but they're not meant to do that forever because as a as the number of divisions that a cell has continues, eventually they start making mistakes, right? And then you start getting things like cancer cells. So is most- that because once they've, di- I'm sorry, but is that because once they've divided from the alpha, that there's something that's gotten weaker? Yeah, I mean, multiple divisions, right. eventually, you know, there's just an opportunity to, for errors to start being made. And so typically what happens is these cells will Cells will divide for a certain number of divisions, let's say 150. I don't know what it really is, but let's say 150, and then they are supposed to go down this program cell death. They're not supposed to stay alive. They're not supposed to stay in our body. They're supposed to die. Well, some cells don't do that. They actually become senescent, which means that they no longer divide, but they sit in our bodies and they secrete these really inflammatory substances. And 
So a lot of people now believe it is those cells and the way that they affect the surrounding cells that are responsible for aging. What, what is it in the cell that, 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 it, that gets lost? What protein or enzyme is it that gets diluted or, or goes away to, that starts the cell to procreate, I guess? If that's well, the point? I don't know if there's something that's lost per se, but you think about these cells. I mean, what they're doing is they're dividing. So one cell is making two. Each of those cells make another two cells. So you can see exponentially how these cells grow. And I just think if you look at the individual cell, it probably only has so many divisions in it before something goes haywire. So, um, but these senescent cells, so senolytics kill senescent cells. And that's important for a number of reasons, like, again, for aging. But if you give a chemotherapeutic to a person, you drive some cells into senescence. And those cells sure. are probably not going to respond any longer to your chemotherapeutic. So one of the things that I really want to do, so I, there was a study, it wasn't our study, it had, had nothing to do with Phoenix, um, but it came out of um, the University of Edinburgh just a few months ago. And what they did is they did uh, AI, they used AI to look for senolytics, and they identified three. Um, and it's just looking at the structure and what should be a good yeah. senolytic, right? And oleander was one of the three. And then they went on and they tested them in human cells, and they said oleander is the best senolytic we have identified to date. So that's pretty exciting. Did AI come up with the compound? AI, AI come up, came up with it. Really? Isn't that interesting? How about so we, that? Like, we had nothing to do with this. Just, so this paper got published, and we're like, yes, because we knew it was a senolytic. So I really, my goal is to test this drug in an, uh, an animal population that will be meaningful when you start looking at people. So let's talk about drug development. How much do you think it costs to get a drug to approve through the FDA? Give me, just give me a guess. How, how much money? Ten million dollars. Okay. Fifty. Um, I'm going a hundred. No, you're right. Uh, it's two billion. Two, oh, two billion. Two billion. billion. Do you say billion? million. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, two okay. billion two dollars? Two billion and 14 years. To shove, to shove something through the program? to take a drug from the start and get FDA approval. And it takes 14 years. 14. Why that number? Well, um, it, let's talk first about the cost, right? It's because the cost is going to affect the number of years. So, okay, so... The stages of drug development, right, are you do all this preclinical work, right? So that's before you ever get into people. Yeah. You're going to do that in two animal species. Typically, it's done in rodent and then a larger animal model, and that's for safety. And then you're going to move into your human studies for efficacy and safety. But by the time you've done all your preclinicals, You've spent hundreds of millions, up to maybe a billion, preclinical, right? And then you're going to submit to the FDA. You're going to say, uh, I have this investigational new drug I want to look at. You're going to get approval. And then you're going to start your studies. So your phase one study is 
um, typically just a small number of people, normal people, because you just want to see safety, um, unless it's a cancer drug. And then a cancer drug you're going to test in cancer patients because nobody wants a chemotherapeutic if they're healthy. So that's a phase one. And then you're going to move to a phase two. And a phase two, you're going to have more people, and you're still going to be looking at safety, but you're also going to start getting signals of efficacy. Okay, does this really work for the intended purpose? Well, the, today, these days, companies don't want to pick up a drug until it's been through a phase two because they want to do Oh, of risk. course. Yeah, well, why would you even put the time and effort into it? If, yeah, I get yeah, that. Yeah. So uh, the latest number I saw, if, you st- if a drug comes in to phase one study, I'd have a billion dollars already spent, the odds of it actually going to approval, 13.8%. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Okay, so if there is a drug that we know about that can actually cure something but can't get through the trials, it just gets put off to the side? I mean, you would think that if, if somebody invented something that actually worked, that we would implement it, and then they don't have to pay taxes ever again. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you would reward them so much for what they did for the American people and for our, for our way of life that they, that they don't have to worry about anything anymore. Just one person, we wouldn't even feel that. But I've been but told we to that we have drugs that really do work and that can get to these trials, but we don't do it. Is that true? You know, I think what you might be asking um, is, are there ever drugs that show great promise that get shelved? Yes. yes. Absolutely, I think it happens. Do I know that for a certain? No. Am I going to have the pharmaceutical companies pissed off at me? Probably. But, yeah, I mean, if you're a big pharmaceutical company and there's a promising drug that's going to compete with your drug and you can buy it cheap why wouldn't you buy it and shelve it that's i'm guessing that happens so um, that's terrible it is terrible but think about that 13.8 percent and then think about why is that why do we spend why do we spend so much money you have so few drugs there were 40 new chemical entities approved last year 40 that's it in the u.s so here's where I want to go with this. This is where I think the issue is. And this is, we can fix this. So one of the big reasons I believe 
is that the majority of these studies are done in rodents. And rodents are not a predictive animal model for people. So it looks great. Oh, we, we give this mouse a cancer and then we cure it. And wow, let's take it into humans. Well, it doesn't work. It never works. Because it rarely it's a works. Because it is Everything's a different. They live on the ground. They eat all kinds of... We don't do that. Let me give you a very specific example. So back to the oleander which, again, I, I think has incredible promise yet to be proven. We need to do trials. But um, I, th I think the problem, the basic research is absolutely there. So when they started looking at cancer, they did start in rodents. And um, the, there's a certain uh, receptor on cells that normal cells don't express. But cancer cells expresses receptor and that is actually what oleander binds to and okay. destroys it right so great so it kills the cell and it's very specific for these cancer cells that have upregulated this it only goes after that isomer, one right just that isomer how about that so that isn't that pretty cool and guess what mice and rodents don't upregulate it yeah it don't work at all you can't kill a mouse with oleander We've also found recently you can't kill a chicken with oleander. But you can kill a human. But you can kill a human uh, and other mammals. And I, and I have to wonder if something through the millennia is that chickens and rodents were walking through oleander. They just developed this resistance to it because they don't express oh, yeah. this Quite possibly, right? isomer. Yeah. But to me, that just shows. You think you could develop a response if you ate the chickens that ate the oleander over time? <laughs> You know what I mean? Become immune to it? Eventually. Maybe, and back in the day, maybe. they would take little little hits Grow of the tolerance. poisons and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, hadn't, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. That's interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's because of what we ingest. It's That's how we get small doses of it. Yeah. So we have given chickens a thousand times what a clinical dose would be. And the only thing that we saw in one of them is they quit laying eggs for 11 days. That's it. Just for a spell? Just for a spell. And then they started laying eggs again. So really, really interesting. But... My point is... I'm sorry, I got to... Just real fast. Yeah, yeah. Have we identified what actually does that in the chicken? What what molecular structure adapts to that oleander? We don't we know don't, what that is. We, we can't don't know. That out. Don't know. So I have to wonder if maybe it's like rooms and they just don't uh, express this isolate. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, man. Um, no, because we were actually shocked to find that out. Um, so I, I think that's pretty cool. But my point is if drug development would use a more predictive animal model, then we wouldn't... So that that $2 billion to get a drug to market, it, some people say as high as 4.5, by the way. So it's somewhere in that market. I think, you know, that includes all the failures. And and I just told you, 95, well, 90% of the drugs never make it. So yeah. we're, we're paying for all that. And but they still and, get the two billion, though. And well, maybe they've already spent a billion, and then they fail out mm -hmm. at a phase one. Okay, check. Um, but still, money that gets included in the cost of drug development, right? Because you got to pay. Now, for is your there a point to when we're doing tests on drugs when it shows a promising result and actually starts working that we start paying for it as opposed? You know what I mean? As we, like, hey, we adopt be, it and we're like, hey, well, we're going to take care of this. We're going to make sure it gets through. You can keep spending your money on the other stuff to test them, but once something passes the test, you're like, hey. We don't need two more billion dollars. It's we we we're gonna take this, and it's kind of a I don't want to say a good deed because you know who like, really likes like to do the, that, like the government, yes, do it? or whomever. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, sure they do. Um, well, they did that with the COVID vaccine, right? So I mean, I guess they well, nobody do. really knows what's happened during COVID. It hadn't come out yet, so <laughs> yeah, we're still yeah. kind of yeah. standing by for that. Yeah. So they they probably do. A majority of it is going to be done by drug companies, pharmaceuticals. They're picking up that tab, and they actually do put a huge amount of money. They put more than oh, sure. any other industry into R and D. But let's um, instead of using these poorly predictive animal models, let's change that game, and let's use dogs that actually have the disease naturally just like people right dogs get a lot of the same cancers they get it for all the same reasons they live in the same environment they are phenotypically the most diverse mammal that we have i mean i could be treating a two pound chihuahua and my next case could be a 150 pound great dane yeah very phenotypically diverse. Just like humans. Um, just like humans. Exactly. Just like humans. And the argument, because um, I've been making this argument for decades. Oh, I can the already know what that is. The argument's always <laughs> been, oh, but, you know, they're, then they're different. And we want these beagles that we've, you know, grown in a lab and they're all, like, identical and related. And it's like, but that's not the population you're developing this drug for. People are not beagles, and they're not all the same. Whatever's been out in the streets is what you need to develop that for, not something, if you grow something in a lab, it's a lab-grown. It's It's not human-grown, yeah, yeah. Or it's, you know, um, so older dogs, they, you know, people that you're going to be treating, they oftentimes have comorbidities, right? They they might be diabetic and have some evidence of renal disease. Dogs with naturally occurring disease are the same. They have multiple diseases. They are just a, so much of a better model that I think if we could convince the world, use a more predictive model, we could reduce those costs. Who's keeping that from happening? Where's that, where's that hold up at? You know, the majority of researchers use rodents for a number of reasons. One, they're cheap. Cheap, small, get Easy more to house. Right, you know, a lot of research facilities don't even have room for dogs. I get that. Um, and I don't want research dogs to be, make it really clear. I am not talking. Let's take, you know, 50 dogs and let's create a disease. Oh, and no. Let's study it. Not I'm experiment. Saying, yeah, exactly. Let's I, take the dogs that come in yeah, sick. that have owners that love them, that want them treated. And let's say, you know what? We, we have a new drug, um, not approved by the FDA yet, but... We, we have data that suggests it's safe. Let's try it. Let's get our efficacy in a dog model with the disease. Excuse me. Oleander's not synthetic either. It's, a, it's, it's natural. It's grown from... Okay, sorry. Yeah. We extract directly. That's huge. Yeah. That's a big deal. It's a natural right. plant. And that's, that is a big deal. I'm mean, all for... Not saying that there's necessarily anything really against synthetics, but when you synthesize a molecule... Our oleander extract has other things in it as well sure. that are beneficial. Yeah. And you don't get that when you just sense it, you sense, know, yeah, exactly. something. So. I mean, we weren't. We were grown out of here. <laughs> That's so, right. So, I mean, the stuff that we should be taking the same way. And I, I, I mean, I've had synthetics in me my whole life. I get it. They do their – that's what throws side effects in. Yes. Is when you synthesize something in that thing. Yeah. The natural stuff, there's no side effect. It's just it does this, it does that. Yeah, well, I don't think you can say there are no side effects, um, to be clear, because like with Oleander, you take too much, it could be toxic. But well, you're right, death. at the right levels, at the right levels, I, you know, I think there are fewer. Um, but we have to find those out. Those are why we do the studies that we do. So is that up to, 
like the state if there can be clinical trials for veterinarian clinics that agree to that? Like, okay, Texas A&M Small Animal Clinic agrees to do this clinical trial on a non-FDA improved, like, can the states say yes or no on that? Or how does that work? It's not really state. So um, there is a division of the FDA called the Center for Veterinary Medicine. So um, animal drugs, if you're going through the FDA approval process, go through that, the CVM at at the FDA. And, you know, most, uh, some people would tell you it's a shorter, quicker, easier, less expensive process. I do believe that to be true, but it's not like there aren't regulations. Like we still have to file. If you want to have a new drug, you know, tested, you have to go through the studies, you have to submit your data, you have to do, you know, many similar things. The difference is we don't really um, divide up into phase one through phase four, Mm -hmm. like on the human side. We might do pilot and confirmatory studies. So I think we can typically get them through cheaper and faster. But And I'm always really interested is in that process, can we see signals of efficacy that are going to mean that we should move this forward in humans as well. Because that's, that's was, where the real expense. That's what I was just about to ask. Are there drugs that have been approved through the FDA's veterinarian side that should be over on the human side, but they just haven't approved it? Um, there are drugs that get approved first on the veterinary side and then get approved eventually on the human side. Um, and there's a reverse that also happens, right? Mm-hmm. So veterinarians, we, by law, can use any drug that's FDA-approved for humans off-label. We, we, have, we have the right to use it, which I, the thing that I think has always irritated me a little bit is that if you look at a lot of these FDA-approved drugs, the pathway that they took was they did a bunch of rodent studies, and then they did some larger animal. It might be pigs, but if it was dogs, they bypass dogs, and it just goes to people. And then we have to go back and say, okay, what's the right dose for dogs? This is, would this you know, work? What's the efficacy in dogs versus just what's the safety in dogs? So I think my point is we can use these naturally occurring animal models not just for safety, which is primarily what we do at the moment, but let's use them for efficacy too, and let's shorten that timeline and let's reduce the dollars. I sense. do honestly believe we can do that. And there are, there are companies starting to do that. I mean, it's, but it's, it's, coming too, around. it's too few. I mean, we have to do that. It's too like few. Like the leadership has to do that, mm-hmm. to take responsibility for ourselves. And if we know the right path, we got to take it. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. 
That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. And so when I, um, when I hear that saying, dog's man, best friend, what I think of is dogs really are man's best friend because they are going to help us find cures and treatments that I wish we I was half the man my dog thought I was. <laughs> I, I have that. my one, as a man, as a boy, you get one dog down here. You might have a bunch, but you get one that you're attached to. Yeah. And when I got back, I, 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 got, I joke around now. I was like, I, was, I got to sign to that dog. I was a dog walker. I got to take that sucker around the world. He was my best friend. We were together 24-7. And you realize he died. I mourned his death. There's a story. I tell more it, tell from us. Him. I learned more from that dog about myself, and he never said one word to me. <laughs> and he was my best friend. Yep. How about that? I totally agree. Totally agree. A dog's love, dog and God, back and forth, that word, you know, that love that they show, unconditional. I wish I could love like that. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. I, They're I'm one a, of the greatest gifts we have. Yep. I'm a dog lover to the extreme. I really am. So, yeah. So me, let's help let them. I watch this. a human suffer before I go watch a dog <laughs> suffer. My brother and I, we kind of talk about this a little bit. That's a, it's, you know, when, we, when we're talking about helping, we're not talking about doing anything bad to these, to our animals. No, no, no. There's no. some of us down here that, that understand both concepts. Right. That's so very I, important. Yeah, I do want to be really, really clear that when I am talking about using dogs with naturally occurring disease, I am literally talking about those dogs that walk in a veterinary yeah. clinic door. Not hit that, them with a the disease and then no. try and cure it. Yeah, that so that get diagnosed with cancer, for example. There's um, one of the things that if, when we raise some money, and it's all about, unfortunately, money because none of this is free, but um, dogs get a tumor, um, a bone tumor, osteosarcoma. I'm sure you've heard of it. Kids get it too. Um, and what with dogs, typically, when we diagnose it, um, we radiograph their chest, try and make sure they don't have any metastases. And then they're typically uh, limbs, so we'll amputate the limb, and then we'll put them on a chemo drug, like uh, cisplatinum, carboplatin, one of those. Um, but even with that, the majority of those dogs have tumors in their lung. In the lungs, right? That's what. And they, or within six months to a year, and they're gonna, they're gonna die. Um, so we bought them a little time, but we didn't buy them as much time as any of us would like, right? So, that's where this um, oleander, I think, is so interesting because, I believe, and so we're gonna come back to synolytic cells, right? We get the chemotherapeutics, we drive some cells to senescence. Now those cells are just sitting there doing nothing. And I think it could be those cells that six months to a year later hone to the lung and set up these metastases that we can't see at the time of amputation. They're clearly there, clearly circulating. I'm looking for something to do. But we don't find them. And I wonder if if we gave only, if we still did standard care, so they still get the, their chemotherapeutic. But we add oleander onto that. Could we then kill those synolytic cells Have we and tried stop that yet? those meds? We haven't. We need money. Um, that's the next study I want to do. And but we're in the process of raising. But 
you know, a small study that would show that I think opens, you know, great opportunities. And again, we're not, we're not going to harm these dogs. We're going to help them. And we know they're going to die from it if we don't. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're a great model. And when you do the oleander, it's just like an essential extract, like an essential oil type base or what is, or is it a hydrosol or... So it is. Um, so what we do is we extract directly from the plant, and there are different ways that we can do that. So we can do. Um, they started once with like a hot water extraction. Um, we can do supercritical. We can do ethanol, methanol. So different things that will dissolve the actives out of the plant, and then it gets it gets cleaned up. The chlorophyll gets taken out, so it's not green. And then we we can end up with what we call an extract, which means that it is, it's not purified down to a single compound, a single isolate. It's other, like, we know that there are terpenes and other, you know, materials that come out with the oleandrin is the active. And um, we can, we can purify it all the way down to that's all that's there Mm -hmm. is oleandrin, or we can do it as an extract. Um, and I think that it's these other substances, there's definitely some benefit to them. Uh, so. And are you doing it as like a um, a liquid drop droplet in the mouth, or is it through IV, or how are you administering it to the dogs? Really good question. So um, I think we need what my preference would be is at the time of amputation, and we we start them on chemo. We give them an IV dose, and then we follow that up with an oral dose. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we're going to, honestly, my dog's on it. I'm going to keep him on it for the rest of his life. He's 13. Um, I think it will, you know, might even prevent some cancers. Who knows? But he's going to be on it, and he likes it, and he feels good on it. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a good question, how, how we give it. But I think that's what we'll probably do is uh, IV and then oral. What is it that's, um, what chemical compound in the oleander is deadly to humans? It's the oleandrin. Itself? The whole, yeah. even it's the oleandrin. You break it apart, you break yeah, all the so, so it's a cardiac glycoside, so it affects your heart. Um, so it dysrhythmia or is it just... Yeah, it'll just stop your heart. So it just stops yeah, the stop. It can cause arrhythmia to stop your heart. And there's no way to pull that extract out of there that does that. Well, so that is the active. That is the one that does the okay, good so work. Okay, so what you're doing, so, yeah, so you've got to keep so something deadly in there to attack that. So it's dose. Yeah, okay, I get it's it. It's all dose, right? It. So we can get, we... Because you pull the weapon out of there, it wouldn't do its job. Right, so we know doses that are well below anything that would cause an adverse event, and those are the doses that yeah. we'll be studying. Yeah, because that's what chemo's doing anyways, right? That's ke- chemo is the same thing. Killing you I mean, anyways. You chemo's, do too much yeah. yeah. To- it's that's to- what we're doing. Toxic. Yeah. Okay. Only the only thing is, I actually think, as opposed to many chemotherapeutics, oleander is going to be more specific sure. because it, you know, works on that one receptor. So I don't think it's going to harm our normal cells. And you can titrate to it, effect. So meaning, because usually when you get hit with the chemo, there's all kinds of bonuses that come with that, right? <laughs> Hair loss. All that. All that. Stuff. All that stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. But if we can titrate the effect. Uh, Per weight and all that stuff, as you're putting that in there, that would mitigate a lot of that. Maybe? Yeah. Well, Maybe not? Well, it, um, or are you still going to feel well, it? you might be right. I mean, the, I think what you're saying then is can you decrease the amount of these chemotherapeutics if we add in oleander a dose that doesn't have any side effects? And the answer is we may be able to do that. It may be exactly right. Or we may not have to treat them as long. Or you know what? If it's my dog and I treated him for uh, initially with a standard of care, 
and then I added oleander. And if he was still alive at six months or a year with that tumor, I would never take him off. So of have it. we taken a tumor and dropped oleander on it to see what happens? We've done a lot of uh, uh, test tube work in cells. So we know we kill. So it's promising. So we kill. Oh, well, yeah. we're having to deal with this how it metastasized to the body to get to it, right? Yeah. Because we can't go straight to the tumor. Well, we've got to go through the body, right? To the oh, to give to inject. Yes, like you wouldn't inject it. No, you inject I don't it think you would inject the tumor. it. Although for some topical Maybe you tumors could. like melanoma, yeah, yeah. It, it might. It might. So like a cream, like a oil, and, and it kind of. You know, I'm always. You know, I. I, started, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. I, so I started with this company about eight months ago, and I I always feel like I need to be a little little careful on how I talk about this drug um, because. I think at some point people are like, oh, it can't do all those things. Like, come on. Like, it's not magic. The fact of the matter is that at even lower doses than what will kill cancer cells, it will kill viruses. Um, the other thing that it does, and we kind of found this out through some immune studies, is it inhibits the cytokines that cause itching. You know, those dogs that are allergic, I get allergic and itch scratch all the time. Yeah, I have a white lab, that's all they do. Have every reason to believe that this drug given orally will actually stop that. So it's without you... and here's the big thing, without suppressing the immune system. Which the current drug that's out that does that that's is, the problem, right? is immunosuppressant. It depresses the immune system. Yep. And I won't get which people when you take when you take the drug it attacks the disease but it also attacks your immune system which drops that and then you get hit by other stuff exactly and that does you know, so actually. could it so you're talking about almost like a prophylactic I mean like you could take this like prophylactics are super hard to um, prove prove right that's why I'm asking um, I mean but to your but that would be great what yeah. you just said is awesome you know if uh, if I had all the money in the world. I would do, so doing a preventative study in people for cancer, you know, when are you going to start? You start them following them when they're 20 and you follow yeah. them for 50 or 60 years. It's tough, tough right? Man, yeah. But you take a dog, maybe start them when they're five or six, follow them. They're not going to be alive past 12, 14 yeah. typically. So you've shortened the time you have to study them. You can actually do prediction studies in dogs which we don't really do very often um, but That's you could so do that. interesting so when you say that it's all down like the toxicity is all down to the dose but you would be willing to give your dog for the rest of their life is the dose is low enough that you could continue on you wouldn't have to end it like you do an antibiotic or something like that no you can no because um so the half-life is short enough that it's going to be excreted, and then you give another dose, and it's going to be excreted. So I actually think you get more benefit if you take so it continually. But you want to keep them on This isn't a life regimen, right? This is after the cancer's gone, then... My dog's going to be on it for life. I take it. I'm going to, I'm going to take it for life. I was just about life. to ask you, are you like taking a it? I take it like a vitamin. Like a vitamin. We all do. Yeah, yeah. Everybody in the company does. So are you taking it um, as a droplet? Yes. Okay. We have a, a tincture. We also have a little sublingual tab. Mm -hmm. So most drugs, this is one of the issues um, it, with between dogs and people, right? With um, like CBD, for example, or anything that you want to have absorbed directly into the bloodstream, if you can give it sublingually, it, some of it will go directly in the bloodstream. If you swallow it, then it has to go 
you know, everything absorbed yeah. in the digestive system. Some of it gets removed um, through circulation. So um, sublingual is great, but it's not easy to tell a dog hold it in their mouth, right? Yeah. We really can't do that. Um, so we're t- we're trying to come up with new yeah, like ways, but I think in dogs we just give more to account for what's lost. What's lost, out. Yeah. Have you had a case where you gave a dog too much and it did stop their heart? Not yet. No. Because it's hard. Not yet, to, and hopefully never. It's hard to measure. Yeah. When you're doing it like that. Yeah, we do have talk studies in dogs, so we do know um, well, doses. Well, you hit them with the tablet. Um, just so it dissolves real fast. Tablet or liquid, Oof. a tincture. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, we just came out with um, just a spray for itching, for like a hot spot. Yeah. How many uh, different modalities do you have for that? Um, tinctures, five or six. I guess you keep going, right? Yeah. How to administer that? Yeah, yeah. We're different. I mean, so the other thing that we're looking at is this whole synolytic area. Um, we're, we're Explain what that is. What so, a synolytic is. So the synolytics are the ones that kill those zombie cells. They're going to, I think, um, I don't want to say keep us from aging, but let us age in a more healthy fashion um, and perhaps even slower. So they, people are calling them longevity drugs. So maybe maybe we really will live longer. But live better. if we can kill those circulating zombie cells. I think everybody wants that. It, everybody wants that. You I don't want, think anybody wants to be around here forever. Longer. Yeah, I mean, you won't you be around forever, do you? healthy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just, just yeah. healthy it, while I'm here and then. Health span versus right. lifespan. Yeah. Because your life expectancy, everything gets better when you're healthy. Yeah. You may get bored, but if you're struggling and suffering in something, it's, it makes things worse. You know oh. what I mean? It just, because it, that's yeah. what you focus on. Yeah. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Well, look at all the chronic diseases that we get as we age. So maybe we'll reduce some of these chronic diseases. Maybe we'll see less arthritis, less, you know, who, know, who knows, diabetes, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, life itself is designed to kill us. You know what I mean? <laughs> it is eventually. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So I think when, when we get into this realm and people have these special gifts that y'all have and the ability to look into something that, that others won't, then that's part of it. That's why we have it, you know, to... To make our time down here as, as meaningful and beneficial as possible and, you know, get through this. And if we can do that by helping dogs and then helping people, that's that's perfect for me. So were you, you were saying about the synolytics, are you trying to hone in on something specifically for anti-aging? We are. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and and obviously, I, it's something I want for my dog. I'd love to have my dog live, our, all of our dogs live longer. Um, but I also, there's a human cocktail product there as well. And Oleander will be in that product. But 
I think. So um, later on in life, my wife gets mad at me. She's like, I'm going to take that oleander away I'm from you. I'm taking it away. Honey, you're not getting any more. Dead time. Yeah. I'm no. sorry to be in a row, but no. I, that's just something. Yeah. yeah. So we're working on that. Lots of uh, studies yet to be due, but um, I have a great contact that I'm working with, a um, guy who started the uh, Stanford Innovation Lab is my partner in this. So what is, what is a perfect scenario, perfect world? Like if you walk out of here, what do you need to get this done? Like I need this to fall into place. I, need, I know money. I, I always hear that. But, I mean, you see the model in your head. You have the vision already, right? I do. Okay. That's all it needs. If you can see it, then. I mean, quite honestly, to start, if I had the money today, I would do two small proof-of-concept studies, one in cancer. Um, those are, you know, much tougher drugs to get approved, but I would take that through the FDA approval process. And then the other one I would do is for the itch, and that is because over 50% of the dogs that we see in veterinary clinics come in for derm issues. It's a huge market, and it irritates people, and I think if we could stop that and reduce that and not suppress the immune system, we have a winner. We have a huge winner on our hands, yeah. no doubt. It's a, it'll be a billion-dollar drug. So is dementia involved in this at all? Interesting that you say that. Um, it, so um, oleander does cross the blood-brain barrier, and so we do think that there is probably could be some benefit in Alzheimer's. Um, and interestingly, you know, dogs get, um, we have a condition we call canine cognitive dysfunction, CCD, mm-hmm. and it is essentially Alzheimer's in dogs. It's the same disease when you look at it pathologically, minus, so the plaques that people get with Alzheimer's, dogs get those as well, mm. amyloid plaques. What they don't get is what are called these neurofibrillar tangles. But other than that, the disease is the same, and the dog is a really good model for that. We haven't tested oleander for that at all, but there's a potential it would work because, again, it does cross the blood-brain barrier. So it would be interesting to look at it. So if you gave it to a person that has Alzheimer's, what do you think it would it reduce the symptoms of it or the symptoms of the Alzheimer's? Or You know, I don't know yet because those studies have not been done. Um, but it, it, it might. Let's just put it that way. It would be something we should look at. So can, it's definitely curious, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can people buy it directly from your company now, or is that something that you have to wait for an FDA approval on? Um, no, it is being. Go ahead, Mary. You're the. Yeah, sure, uh, Terry. Uh, it's available. So we have our Phoenix um, Biotechnology Inc., and within that uh, company, we have a cosmetics company through Laurel Rose. So on the Laurel Rose website, um, we have Laurel RX which is our homeopathic approved version. Uh, It has the extract in it, but it's through homeopathic standards. Um, So it's available that way. Okay. so And it's a dropper. It is a dropper. And you could use it for your dog or for yourself. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. So it's uh, homeopathic approved on the human side. Um, and then also through Terry's Dr. Fossum's Pet Care, um, we cu- currently launched our uh, anti-itch spray. Oh, nice. Um, which we're really excited about, but we'll also be forthcoming because I'm excited about our pipeline and being able to make you know nutraceutical or these wellness type products available. Um, there's also, as Terry referred to earlier, going the regulatory route. Um, obviously, that's more of an isolate. You bring just a, a straightforward, the isolate being um, the oleandrin, and you could bring that forward on, on the regulatory pathway. And what's so great is to have two offerings, to say, okay, well, we can have the wellness side of it, where you have the extract and some of the beneficial uh, other things that are in it naturally, and have that um, formulated. And so in the pipeline, you're working on a couple of different exciting uh, ventures, one with the anti-aging side for animals, um, and then eventually, hopefully, for the humans. Um, and so I love it because I get to work on both the human and animal side. So the oleander at really, really low doses um, kills viruses, those RNA viruses. So we're looking at it for production animals, too, because if we can decrease their viral load, then we'll increase their feed efficiency. Sure. My sister has a puppy that is a mix of um, Mastiff and some other stuff. I don't even know what the other things are. And she just took him Friday because uh, he was had like a hacking cough. And they said that he has pneumonia. He has a virus that has turned into pneumonia. But he also has these um, almost like wart-type blisters on his on his lips. Um, do you think that that... Did they biopsy him? They didn't. Did they... They didn't even aspirin and stick a needle in him? Did they... I don't me- believe... I'd have to double-check with her. I don't believe they biopsied them. They just said that it was part of a virus. So would the oleander help with that? I'd have to know what virus it is. It might. Um, so, uh, you know, just to be very clear, it doesn't work on every virus. Mm-hmm. We know that. Um, it works specifically on these enveloped RNA viruses, but those are the ones that typically cause the issues. Mm. Um, so we'd have to know. I, it'd be worth a try. It's not yeah. going to harm. At the do- So I have a, a, actually one of our board members had his dog recently had the same thing. In June, he texted me his dog had pneumonia, wasn't eating, really, really circling the drain. And um, I, I told him just go in and ask for uh, a appetite stimulant mm-hmm. to start. And so he did that, and his dog started eating like crazy. And he just texted me two days ago. So this was June. He started his dog on the Oleander product, very, very low dose. Um, like normally we dose so many milligrams per kilogram. He was given like just 12 and a half milligrams, period. Mm. Not even, you know, yeah. per uh, based on weight. And he texted me a picture of his dog the other day, said that she is like a puppy again. She's now 14. And he swears, now anecdotal, right? He swears it's the oleander. I don't know that, but it was so nice to hear that. And, you know, that sort of all that anecdotal evidence just makes you feel even better about Mm -hmm. let's get the study done. Because we're looking at it. Yeah, because we're looking at dogs getting better. If it takes that long to push something natural through, 
to get approval. How long does it take a synthetic to get approved? Well, that's, that's for both. So it's the same for both. Yeah. Well, it's a combination of both. Yeah. That doesn't so sound. I don't know that there. I haven't seen. Not saying it's not out there, but I haven't seen data that would say a synthetic takes as long versus a natural compound. I have not seen that. Now, what we do know. So there are there's small molecules, drugs, and then there's what we call biologics. Biologics are anything that's made inside an organism. So if you make it inside a bacteria yeah. or a cell, then it's a biologic. And in, so If we've altered it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you can tell immediately when that happens, right? Like if we look at something in a, over a scope, you can tell if it's natural or we've been fooling with it. We've altered it in many ways. So they can tell the chemical structure yeah. of it. Okay. Yeah, they can tell. That's what that um, NMN stuff is? is that yeah, right? so NMN is the synolytic you just hit on. That's a big one, mm-hmm. right? So... Our um, powerhouse of our cells is NAD, and when you take NMN, it's a precursor to NAD. Mm-hmm. So, and there are a couple others. NR is another one. So, um, yeah, if you look at the anti-aging stuff, NMN is all over out there. NMN will be, hopefully, in our um, anti-aging product as one. It's just one of the synolytics. So, I mean, I don't care anything about that stuff, and I heard and I heard about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know that y'all are doing something. Yeah, our we have a friend that was actually on the podcast recently that does like biopharma stuff, um, more on the investing side of it, and he was talking about the NMN uh, mixed with a couple of other compounds that help you help your system metabolize it better. Um, but he was saying that it's uh, very promising. I mean, you got to think if everything's running smooth on the inside, it'll run smooth on the outside. I mean, this thing starts aging when this thing starts having problems. Yeah. Like, I'm, it's trying re- it's reflective. I'm trying to get out of here, but I understand that that's a thing, <laughs> and I, I know how the concepts work. You know, if, it's, if you're going easy on the inside, you'll be easy on the out. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, NMN, um, Oleander, and a couple other synolytics, and I think we have a great, great product that we should we'll, we will all take. Yes, I will take that. I'm going to order this oleander today i actually had some because um governor perry sent us around covid time yeah his rory remember yeah rory Rory was on that and yes i mean she all his animals he has to care for yeah for those people out there who don't know that that he's amazing how about what he does for those animals I cannot tell you how many times i've talked to him he's driving his dog down to the vesicle i'm even like hey I mean, you are putting way too much love into that, <laughs> but he does. It's unbelievable. He, he actually shows me what love's about. Yes. The he way he cares for his family. He loves and all, all oh, of his pets. And he was giving family. that to Rory, and she came back around. Yes. And yeah. she had been through the ringer. Now, Rory was like a 12-year-old yeah, lab, lab. black lab, right? right? Yeah. Amputee. Amputee. Yes. Yeah. Blind, probably deaf. <laughs> I mean, just the whole gambit. Yeah. And he loved that dog. I mean, should have named it Lucky. Yeah. God. Yeah. Well, and now Scout. Yeah. Well, then, then they got Scout, and then they got the, the wiener dog who turned out to be blind, right? Yeah. I mean, all well, of their dogs have, have like something. Horrible. And issue. he doesn't care. He's like a rescue. He would, he would, He's I mean, just amazing. He didn't care. He'll take yeah. care of them. Yeah. Just, just what he does. You know, um, I, can, I, I, I truly believe this. You can tell what kind of people people are by the way that they treat their animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I've heard that my whole life. There's got to be something to that. Yeah, I think it's true. Well, and it really does 
show people that like you're not trying to do this with lab rats. You're not trying to do this with lab-grown beagles. You want to take already sick dogs that people are like, okay, I will try anything at this point to help my dog live a few more years of a healthy quality of life life. And if Oleander can do that, why not test it? Because that's exactly how they say it when they come in, too. Yeah. I love this thing so much. If you could give me one more year with him. Oh, that's exactly what they say. And look on their faces. Yeah. I mean, people, when we when we lo- something we love is about to get snatched from us, mm-hmm. sometimes we put them, I mean, you can't believe what we'll do. <laughs> yeah. It, it's amazing to me because of how much we can hurt. Yeah. Our capacity to give and dole out punishment is equaled only by the amount of love we dole out. So does everybody know your story and your dog? No. Do you feel like telling it, or is that too personal? No, I, you know, I no, it's not. I love him. I, I think no, because I <laughs> told Mister Rigby. Yes. So when I first got back, I I, I didn't. Melly and I weren't married. I and I, I got assigned uh, a canine named Mister Rigby. He's a white lab service dog. He's a service canine. Service yeah, dog. he's straight out of the academy. Mm-hmm. And he and I got paired up together, and I thought I was getting a dog, just to have a buddy. Turns out I was getting assigned to him as his dog walker. <laughs> That's how I, I mean, he was with me. Most people, when they have pets, you're with them in the morning, the evening, maybe you see them on the weekends. I was with this joker 24-7. He never left my side. You want to know what you can learn about? I mean, it teaches you so much about yourself. They'll look at you. And and like I said before, he was my best friend. I loved him. And he never said one word to me. But I heard everything he said. And and come to find out, dogs can get in cranky moods. That sucker can woke up on the wrong side of bed. I didn't know that. I mean, the personalities that come out, I'm, I'm, when I was a young, young man going to the SEAL teams, they told me these people who weren't SEALs, they would make up all these grand, grand stories about what it took to get to the program. It's like, they make you, they give you a puppy and make you raise that sucker. And then you got to kill him. And I was like, that's all crap until I had to go through Mr. Rigby. And I was the one that had to put him down. Mm-hmm. And I, I never felt any kind of pain like that. True love is what you have for that dog. Yep. He's always happy to see me. I go all day about what that. Yeah. And I took him everywhere. Filming the movie, one of these ski slopes going up the rock. I mean, you, I was on the, in the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. Baseball games, you name it. It was me and that dude, Mr. Rigby. Mm-hmm. And when, we got, when I got pregnant, he started sleeping on my side of the bed. No, I was pissed. And, I mean, I felt yeah. like I was jealous. I was like, what are you doing over there, it man? It was the weirdest thing. And then he just knew. Kids came online, he just knew. Rigby knew, like, this, like, my job is changing. And not that he ever stopped loving Marcus because Marcus was his first love. But when the family started, like, coming online, he, he, like, completely changed. Completely changed to that. Normally, when I would leave, I would have a suitcase packed and two of them. I'd come in, drop one off, and the other one was already loaded, ready to go. And his, he would go get his harness, and he'd be sitting there waiting. He's like, let's roll. And one day, after the first kid was born, he, he was sitting there looking at me. He's like, hey, i got to stay back. Aww. Yeah, he didn't get in the car. It was the craziest thing. And we're like, People okay. ask about that dog more than they do about me. i got to protect this family. He's yeah. saying, it's How about my that? family, yeah? Oh, dang. And I'd come back, and I mean, he was always so happy to see me. And then, you know, we'd go for our walks and everything like that. I talked to that sucker so much. Yeah. I mean, I Because oh. when I first got back, it was just me and him. Just me and him. How'd you two meet? 
blind date. That was a, it's a really long story, but my dad actually had met Marcus first and, um, super, super long story, but he, we, yeah, we ended up meeting on a blind date. We kind of, uh, we had been texting and talking on the phone for weeks before and, we met, and he moved in with me the day after. Wow. Um, no I, question I in your that, mind. I knew immediately who she was. <laughs> the minute she lifted her face up and smiled at me. And I, that night, I told her, it was the last time you'll ever leave anywhere without me. You did. I showed up the next day with everything I owned in a bag. I didn't have anything. Me and that dog. Oh. And Hunter was at camp. And I didn't even was, know this joker was around. He was 12, <laughs> and Hunter comes home, and he's like, what? Hey, here's <laughs> Daddy. Know. You know what I mean? Because he comes home. What happened? I had no idea. <laughs> and he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and I take a knee, and I was like, this is going to go one of two ways. It's going to go good or real good. You understand me? I'm going to have it any other way. That was a good time. There he is. Yeah. Here okay. we are. Hunter, what's your side of that? I've always wanted to ask him that. I'm glad you did because I never have. Okay. I was like, hey, man, was that terrible, Dad? <laughs> no, what did you think when you walked in the door and went, oh? I mean, don't get me wrong. I was definitely shocked to see what was in front of me. I had never seen, I mean, a man like that before in my life. She, she, well, they I tattooed. Never, I mean, nothing. I, I, I came out of the any guys field. home. Like, I kept a d- She didn't bring life. me home. I showed up. I just, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I kept that very separate <laughs> than home life. And so Hunter wasn't used to just a guy being in the house, especially had already moved it. That is very uncharacteristic. So it was it was a wild ride. His room was sure. down the hallway from hers. I threw my bag in the room, her room and went straight down to that <laughs> one. And he was sitting there looking at me. But we did end up getting uh, getting along pretty quickly. He did a good job of trying to God, I had no just idea go to my needs. <laughs> uh, got us a little video game. We went out to our, our my secret room behind I the tried closet and everything we just, to get uh-huh. to know that kid. Yeah, uh-huh. we we locked each other in the in the secret room for nine a, hours. We played that damn video week. game. She came walking up. She's like, "Y'all been up here the whole were. time?" And I was like, "Yeah, wow, what time?" I couldn't see. I mean, you know these video games, man. I had never played them before. I'd been in the military when they got good. So he whooped your ass, is what you're oh, saying. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, no, we did more of a, a campaign, like team we, we kind both, of effort, uh, right? Oh, <laughs> we both did it together, like switching off. Yeah, because the graphics were so intense, it was making me sick, and yeah. I couldn't. And he was like, "Here, you, you do it, and I'll root for you." And then we just hit it off after that. Matter of fact, we cleaned that game out, and I went and got the another one. There was two part to it, and we cleaned that one. We, and now went back three times, three times. And but now what we do is every Thanksgiving we get together and play the game. Aw, I love it. There's, there's a few things. Yeah, there's things it's that been we 13 do. 13 years since then. Hunter was 12 when that. I mean, he could have been a disaster because we were in Hollywood doing movies and books and documentary, uh, everything. I mean, getting pulled in a million different directions. He, well, Mark Wahlberg pulled up on me one time after a Super Bowl, grabbed him, and left. <laughs> and I mean, this Joker should have been a nightmare, but he wasn't. Mm-hmm. He, 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 good kid. That's awesome. And what a great life. And yeah, I don't ever want to hear Ryan either. You know, for sure. It's Speaking been a ride. of Rigby, Rigby automatically fell in love with Hunter as well. So Riggs was my boy too. Yeah, he spent a lot of time with Hunter. Yeah, but thank you so much for coming on and sharing your oh, story. Awesome. And um, I'm gonna, as soon as y'all leave, order a bunch of oleander. So <laughs> <laughs> where can our listeners go online and? either follow what's going on with the FDA approval and buy it now on the um, holistic side. 
Well, I'll answer the second question first, if that's all right. Uh -huh. On the holistic side, you can purchase it at mylaurelrose.com. Okay. And then you can just search for the homeopathic oleander. They'll see it. It's a tincture, like we were talking about, that they can purchase that way. Uh -huh. um, and then as far as being able to follow along, you can check out two websites, Phoenix Animal Wellness, or paw, as we lovingly call it. Nice. Right? I died. Nice. I see what you did there. You see that? Yeah. <laughs> it was going to be Phoenix Animal Health, but we had to make the H a W and go wellness, right? Like Makes it. sense? Mm. Yeah. Um, and then also there's Phoenix Biotechnology, Inc. Um, and then that's where you can find the compendium of all our research that we've had. The, the human health side has been doing research over uh, 20 plus years. So there's a, a number of articles and things that have come out. But we're most excited about our most recent publication was in June. And it was in uh, Molecules. And it's about the effect of oleandrin um, when you're looking at three different ways. One of them is if you have no challenge, if you have a viral challenge, or if you have inflammatory conditions happening in the body and that's just a really interesting read. people might enjoy taking a look at that so what it did is it showed that we do stimulate the immune system but we do it really interestingly and in that we stimulate some of the inflammatory cells at the same time and honestly don't know any drug that does this oleander also seems to inhibit some of the really inflammatory cytokines um, like you know when you get a viral infection like we saw what happened with COVID is that people died of these cytokine storms. They had too many inflammatory cytokines released at one time and the body just couldn't take it. But this seems to sort of modulate that. So uh, we'll see. So um, that COVID did that? The other, that COVID did that? Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. We're, I don't know where we are with that. Uh, the other thing, Dr. Dr. Fossum, so that's my uh, other company's website, drfossums.com, is where the anti-itch spray okay. is sold. And we're, we're sort of the marketing arm for uh, Phoenix Animal Wellness. Okay. So. so about the inflammation, a lot of people will take prednisone, you know, a steroid or something to take that inflammation away. Does this, would this like substitute for that? So the thing with steroids is that they suppress your immune system. That's how they work, right? Mm -hmm. They're an immunosuppressive drug, just like a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. And, um, yeah, I think oleander, we, we believe, at least the evidence that we have to date, is that it's more specific. So it doesn't suppress the immune system. It just suppresses some of the cytokines. Some of the inflammation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you get a lot. Of, there's water retention, and everything else that goes with all that. That's what that's what messes with most people. And how about that? Some people won't take those the stuff that will help because of the side effects on it. Yeah. Because of what it oh, does for to you. Sure. You'd rather be sick than look like that. Yeah. 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 Water retention. You're right. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's crazy, right? Drink a lot. Eat a lot. <laughs> Urinate a lot. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. It's so interesting, and I really hope that it does end up getting pushed through because this could be a total game changer. Well, thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Yeah. Good luck with your testing. We're working on it. We're, we're excited. Thank you guys for having us. This has been really yeah. fun. You bet. Of course. Thank you so much for coming down. Uh, guys, if you have any guest recommendations, please go comment in YouTube, and we'd love to see who you want. That being said, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.